Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be with you this morning in your home. Thank you for allowing me this privilege of bringing your word this morning. I am so excited for the church camp next week. I can't wait to see some of your faces. You've just had such an amazing response to this camp. And so we really need to do this every year, but really looking forward to it this year. Dan and I have been busy with our twins who are now 10 months old. And they are just at such a cute age. They're just giving back so much love, so much affection, and you should just see them with each other. They're creating their own games. They're playing with curtains. They're playing peekaboo with each other. And um, another exciting thing that happens at 10 months is they throw public tantrums. Um, and that's they are as good as gold at home, but wait until we go out into public. And it's so funny because we went to a Turkish restaurant the other day and uh, they were just so sweet. They were eating all of the um, amazing kebabs and they were sitting there and a family came up to us and said, wow, your twins are so well behaved. And we were, yes, yes, we are such amazing parents and these kids are just so great. And uh, two days later, we go to another restaurant and they just lost it and we were just so embarrassed every table was watching us and we were just like we just want to get this food to go please the waiter's like but you haven't even eaten just get this food to go please we don't know whose children these are so it's just been exciting and one of the fun things though is that Rocco is just rocking his walker and he is just he is flying around those corners and he is in complete control and Raya is crawling like a champion. And one of the fun things they do is that Raya hangs on to Rocco's walker and he's just going for it and she's holding on for dear life. But one of the fun things about that is that I'm hands-free. Finally, after 10 months, I look at them and think, I can actually do stuff because they are enjoying themselves. And I was listening to some worship music and I just love this new song, Protector by Kim Walker-Smith. And something struck me in the audience. I saw an old man worshiping passionately. And I just, I just thought, wow, I wanna, I wanna be that person worshiping passionately when I'm old and gray. And so as they've been on their walker and crawling around, I've been looking at photos and I've been looking at the last 10 months of pictures of them and from newborn right up into now and just realizing, oh my gosh, Dan, do you even remember that moment? We were so sleep deprived, you know, it was such a blur, but we've got these bare walls that we want to start putting photos of. And, you know, it's so often we, we can see clearly these pictures of the past, you know, in reflection. It's so beautiful. But what if we could see a picture of our future? And I believe we can because God's promises are a picture of our future. And I received so many pictures of our future with Rocco and Raya. As I've said many times before, I would store hundreds of pictures that I felt God gave me or dreams that I received of a boy and a girl close in age that would be my children. And I kept reminding myself and I had a picture of the future. And now when I touch their hair and I feel their beating heart and I, I hold them close to me, I say, God, that future picture has become my present reality. You are faithful, God. And that picture used to fuel my hope. It used to fuel my passion to keep going, no matter what mood I was in, no matter how depressed I got, no matter how grieved I became, I still had this promise and this picture of the future. What are some of the future pictures or photos that I want to see? If we look at 1 Corinthians 2, that is what the scripture means when they say, no eye has seen and no ear has heard 
and no mind has conceived what God has prepared. And so the incredible thing is that word prepared. God has prepared amazing things for you and me. But what are those amazing things? The incredible thing is, is that God continues to say, but he has revealed it to us by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows God's deepest secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except their own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And so when we keep fellowship and communion with God's spirit, he's revealing to us his deep secrets. He's revealing to us his thoughts about our future. Isn't God absolutely incredible? And that's why I've entitled this sermon, Pictures from the Future. Now, one of the pictures or one of the photos that I would love to see in my future, what I've mentioned before, is me passionately worshiping in my old age amongst a faith-filled community. Psalm 69 verse 9 says, my zeal for God's house consumes me. You know, why do we, you know, if you've been a Christian and you went to youth conferences, there is so much energy. I mean, I used to go to these youth conferences and there was stage diving and there was all sorts of fun and energy and hype and emotion. But why can't we, as, as old and gray people, be the ones that are more passionate for God? Because we've seen God's faithfulness through the decades. We've seen his goodness, his grace, his kindness, his forgiveness. And I want to be that person. And unfortunately, one of the things that this pandemic has brought has brought us to isolation. You know, it doesn't take rocket science to know that that is not healthy for your mental health, for your immunity, to be isolated the way we've been. And and when you change your environment, that environment changes you, unfortunately, and you become anxious and worried and stressed and all of these uncertain times. But one of the things that we can do to change our environment is to worship, is to continue to worship. And just because we've stopped gathering as a church doesn't mean that you can't stop worshiping in your home. And what we do when we worship is we create a new environment and we declare truth of God, of who he is, of his word. We declare it over our hearts. We declare it over our minds and worship anchors us to truth. And so that is why we need to be daily spending time worshiping God, worshiping through a pandemic, worshiping through suffering. And How many of you have missed just worshiping together? I have missed it so much. And and one of the most incredible things about City Lights is our worship. And when we come together, the anointing of God is so strong. The presence of God is so strong. You just want to weep. People who have never been exposed to church or worship, they come in here and they just weep. They say there's just a sensitivity to God in this place, a reverence for God in this place. And what happens when we gather together is that we build God's throne. The praises go up, be enthroned upon our praises for a thousand generations. The scripture says that, that our praises build a throne for God. And there's unity that comes when we worship together. And so I really do trust that when I look at a picture of my future, I'm still worshiping my heart out when I'm old and gray. Another picture of my future that I would love to see is me loving my city. 
and me, a snapshot of me with different cultures and, and different uh, races and religions and different people from different economic brackets and me not just loving them, but me being friends with them, me doing life with them. You know, Jesus is our pattern. And if we haven't come to Dubai, if you've been called here, you've been placed here to give back to the city, not to take from the city, you know, Acts 17 says, from one man, he made every nation of the human race to inhabit the entire earth, determining their set times and the fixed limits of the places where they would live. And so if you've been positioned here, you've been positioned here for a set time by God. And the incredible thing is Jesus didn't come, if we bring it into Dubai terms, he didn't come as an entitled king riding in a Bentley, arriving at a five-star luxury hotel in Dubai, waiting to be served. He came to serve. You know, it's like the equivalent of coming to the Premier Inn. There's not even being room in the Premier Inn for Jesus. But he came as a, as a humble God. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give it his life. And so it's a serving and a giving over of your life. And I don't want to become complacent in my Christianity and seek comfort and seek convenience. I want to be looking to be Jesus in this city, his hands, his heart, his feet. Where would he be? We need to remember that we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent him. We represent heaven. 2 Corinthians says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So in our interactions with people in the city, when we're in the supermarkets, when we're on the school runs, you know, when we're in the office or in the gyms, do we cry out, come back to God? Is our life representing, pleading with people, come back to God, be reconciled to God? One of the snapshots that I would like to see in my future, and this is really close to my heart, is me still being faithfully married, preferably to Dan. The longer you live, the wiser you are, and you realize what's important and what is most valuable. And I've come to realize, and this may sound really harsh, but I'm not interested in someone's successful ministry and success in business if they have sacrificed their wife and lost the respect of their children along the way for their own selfish gain and pursuit. And it's just heartbreaking. And of course, the most beautiful thing there is in marriage is repentance. And Dan and I have had the privilege to see uh, just repentance in marriage and just to see a marriage has been reconciled. And it is so powerful. It is, it's, it's absolutely one of the most powerful things to see repentance in marriage and to see reconciliation and forgiveness. But it's heartbreaking when you see unrepentant hearts, hard hearts, and simply falling in, out of love and parting ways. It's just, it just grieves God's heart and it just grieves our hearts. And, you know, marriage is worth fighting for. And no matter how liberal or how immoral the world is, I'm telling you they are impressed 
by people who remain married. If I think of Rav Zacharias, you know, just watching his funeral and just seeing how loved and respected he was by presidents and news channels, you know, still being faithful to his wife, Billy Graham, Eugene Peterson. I mean, these are all soldiers for God. But the mark of their ministry, why they are so successful is, yes, they were obedient to Christ, but they remained faithful to their families. And if I think of Martin Smith, he's an incredible worship leader. And if you've been a Christian for longer than 20 years, you would have sung his song, History Maker, that he wrote. And we used to sing this. When we were stage diving, we used to sing, I want to be a history maker in this land. And I watched a recent interview where he said, you know, being a history maker, when he wrote that song, it was about taking on nations. It was about, you know, making history. But he realizes now that being a history maker is still being faithful and choosing your wife every single day. And that really impacted me. Proverbs 5 says, rejoice in the wife of your youth. There are instructions in scripture about this. Ephesians 5.25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. There is such an awesome responsibility placed on men. It sometimes overwhelms me when I look at Dan and I think, Wow, there is such a mantle on you and such an awesome responsibility that God has placed on you to lead this family. And just as Christ loved the church, just as Christ gave up his life for the church, is the expectation on men to love their wives, which is like putting aside your selfishness, putting aside your preference to love. It's just, it's just, it's almost, you need, it's divine help and enabling. You need supernatural help to be able to do that in a beautiful way. And that's something that I would attempt to lay into my son, Rocco, is to, is just to understand the weight of responsibility that he has in choosing a wife, in providing for her, in protecting her, and in choosing to be faithful daily to his wife. The Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And wives, do you bring goodness into the marriage? Ephesians 5.22 says, for wives, this means being supportive to your husbands, like you are tenderly devoted to our Lord. For the husband provides leadership for the wife, just as Christ provides leadership for his church as the savior and the reviver of the body. In the same way, the church is devoted to Christ. Let the wives be devoted to their husbands in everything. And in both scriptures, we are called to be like Christ, giving up his life and giving up our will. In other translations, it's submit. Submit is not a dated and an old fashioned word. Do not be deceived. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. If you submit an application, you're giving over, you're handing over, you're giving over your life to your husband to say, I trust you. I trust you for the leadership of this family. And this is something that I would like to lay into my daughter, Raya, is to choose a husband where their hearts and their mission is in land. Because if you look at submission, it means to come under the mission of. And so it's much easier when you're coming under the same mission and the same heart and, he, and to choose that. But also, obviously, for 
the husband to look upon her and see the qualities in her and to see the giftings and to see the talents and to, and to allow that to flourish. But in both ways, there is a dying to self in marriage. And what if you're married to an unbeliever? Scripture is clear. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by your behavior of their wives. And you're not going to win over your husbands by winning every argument, being controlling or pulling in your own way. It's by being devoted to your husband and supporting him just like Christ is devoted to you, just like Christ is devoted to the church. And it's an incredible promise that you will win them over. What about photos of eternity? What about a snapshot of eternity? Because a lot of these photos have been here on earth. But what if we could see a picture of ourselves in eternity? What if we could see a picture of ourselves receiving a crown or a reward from God? How I live can determine if that picture will come to pass. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Revelations 22, look, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they've done. So God has prepared good works for us to do in advance. And he's also coming back, rewarding us for those good works that we do in obedience to him. In God's kingdom, success is measured in faithfulness. And we are just to be faithful with what I can't do, what God's called you to do. And you can't do what God calls me to do. But as long as we're obedient to what he's asked us to do. 1 Corinthians says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that won't last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. It's not easy to win a crown, otherwise we would all win that crown. You know, I'm, I'm always inspired by watching the CrossFit Games. I'm always inspired by watching the Olympics and just seeing how these guys have got this one goal, this one picture of winning and that competitive streak and just how they beat their bodies into submission and, and the pain and the suffering they go through. I mean, it's just remarkable that they just, they run that race to win the prize. And God has compared our spiritual race to a physical race. And he's called us to run that race, to win that crown that will last forever. And knowing your purpose and running your race is connected. And when you know your purpose, you'll be able to run that race just wholeheartedly. And the last photo that I would love to see is just pictures of my children and my grandchildren receiving 
their crowns of faithfulness. Psalm 145 says, let each children, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts and let them proclaim your power. I would love to see them proclaiming that whatever God has called them to do, whether it's be doctors, lawyers, whatever business, starting businesses, whatever it is, as long as they are declaring God's mighty acts from generation to generation and receiving the crown that is destined for them. So in conclusion, what are some of the photos that you would want to see in your future? What adjustments do you need to make in your life now that aligns with your future desires? What do you need to be intentional about today that will allow you to see these pictures come to pass? Do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good for the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. My children were a picture of my future, which is now my present reality. City Lights was a picture of our future. It was just a conversation in the car between Dan and myself. And look at you all now. It is our present reality. The rewards and crowns that we read about in scripture will be our reality. What pictures do you want to see? What adjustments do you need to make? I hope that this has been stirring for you and I'd love to pray with you. Lord God, we just want to thank you for your presence. We, we want to thank you for the anointing of your word. We thank you for each person that has been under your word this morning. Thank you that you are making adjustments in their hearts. Lord God, I just want to pray into marriages today. As I sense that it was a sensitive subject, I just pray that you would bring intimacy back into marriage, that you would bring hope, that you would bring light. Where there are harsh words spoken, that you would bring gentleness, that you would soften hearts. I'm really just sensing hearts that were hard. Walls coming, defensive walls coming down in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that your word is truth and that your heart is for marriage. I pray for the single people in our church. They also, too, dream of godly husbands and godly wives. And I pray, Lord God, I thank you that you're preparing them for their spouses and you're preparing those spouses for them. I thank you, God, that your word is true. And Lord, I pray for those that don't have a picture of eternity or don't know where they are spending eternity. Your word says that when we confess with our mouth that we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again, that we will be saved. And we thank you, Jesus, for your truth. We thank you, God, that we will see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this morning and uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week.